or to think you're fucking up just because there's a challenge in your romantic life or your sex life, it doesn't mean you're fucking up. It means you're a human and it means your partner's human. And the fastest way to get back on track is to talk about it. You can't avoid it. You can't run away from it just because it's hard. You got to talk about it. You got to lean into it. The opposite of what you actually want to do in the moment, but it's the one thing that's going to get answers and get your sex life back on track. Welcome to what I love about sex, where some incredible guests and I, Steph Kanowski, will be bringing you the tools for improving your sex life with topics such as sex issues with your partner, sexual self-confidence, premature ejaculation, sexual shame, masturbation, sharing your fetishes, orgasmic pleasure, and more. Sex is still so taboo, and I personally believe that by improving our understanding and communication skills around sex, we can enhance our own self-pleasure as well as deepening our long-term romantic relationships. So listen in, try to stay open-minded, and let's get started. Oh my God, this response drives me crazy. When I put out content to help you guys in your communication with your female partners and there's a response in the comments that says something like, just move on, man. It's not worth it. It's not that hard to just move on and find someone who wants you. You got this, boys. Or like something like that. I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I get this type of comment all the time. And here's how I responded when I got it yesterday. I said, that's based on whether or not you want to make it work with the person. Moving on when things get hard is not the answer. That's called avoidance. Every, even healthy, relationship has challenges around life and intimacy. I'm showing the importance of working through the challenges, not running from them or avoiding them. All right, so that's my response to show you guys that, first of all, it's very normal for you to feel a disconnect or a lack of desire or your partner's lack of desire for you or conversation gets hard because you're not consistently talking about things and therefore sex becomes a hard topic to talk about because it's not your average topic, et cetera, et cetera. This happens quite often in pretty much every single relationship. (laughs) There are challenges and moments where you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about this, but I know what needs to be done because we have to get on the same page. Or fuck, why is sex so hard? It shouldn't be so hard, right? That's something that people think all the time when really sex is just another part of your life that if you're not actively working on it, it gets harder to keep frequent and keep strong and healthy. Just like your body, if you're not working on your health and you're not keeping any sort of maintenance program around a healthy diet or healthy fitness, you will get out of shape and you will start feeling overweight and shitty and you will get pain, etc. Things will happen when you stop putting effort in and it gets harder to get back, right? So that's with everything. If you spend money and you have a shopping addiction and all of your money is slowly leaving you, right? It's going to be hard to get back to the place of creating a sense of discipline around your finances, learning where to put your money, um, understanding your mindset around money, fears around money, how you're going to act moving forward with that money, and then getting back to a place where you're financially comfortable again, right? It's a process that if you 
if you don't work on it for a while, then getting back into a, a secure place with that thing is means you got to go back to level one and start over to build a strong frame and get to that healthy maintenance. So if we look at sex the same as we look look at the other main areas of life, which are our relationships with other people, our finances, and our health, we see that it's all the same thing. It takes effort to put into it. I mean, I have a client now I'm working with, one of my one-on-one clients, and he opened up to me about feeling shame working with me. Like he, he had this feeling like I shouldn't be here. I should know this. I shouldn't need help with this. Um, and he also shared how he hired financial coaches in the past. He is working with a therapist. He hired um, a, a fitness professional, a fitness coach to help him there. So he's like, it's interesting how I've always, like all the other areas of my life are so solid. And I've also reached out for help with these areas. But this area, I just thought I shouldn't need it. And this is normal for so many people to think this way. And it's why when, especially around sex, when things get tough or challenging in their intimate relationship, then they want to bail out or they want to shut down. They don't really want to. It's just the natural response because you're not used to learning how to work through the challenges. And you just therefore think that there shouldn't be any challenges, right? So with so many assumptions, chronic assuming, that there shouldn't be challenges in your sex life, it leads to you not working on it. And I'm saying that it's normal to, to, it's normal to bump into sexual challenges no matter how healthy your relationship is. Another client of mine has a very solid, stable marriage and she's feeling sexually disconnected and he's like, oh my God, why? Like, why is she feeling this way? What's wrong? I thought this was like a very stable thing in my life was like our marriage and like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, she never said it wasn't stable. She said she was feeling disconnected from you. And when he talked to her, her response also was, I never said we weren't stable. So let's just normalize the fact that you can have a stable, strong relationship and still have moments of falling out of desire, still have moments of disconnect, still have moments of challenges, still have moments when having a certain conversation feels really hard. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with your partner or wrong with your relationship, necessarily. It means that there's a challenge you have to work through. And the only way to work through it, guys, is by communicating. So my response to all these guys that are like, find somebody else, guys, it's not that hard. Yeah, if you want to take the easy route and keep running away from a relationship every time something gets tough or every time a challenge arises, good luck finding a long-term partner. Because I guarantee you, 100%, 100% guarantee you, you will never find a partner who doesn't present challenges. Ever. Especially if you find the right one. Because when you find the right person, in my opinion, you find someone who's truly compatible with you and makes you better, and you gravitate towards someone to make you a better man, then that woman is going to challenge you even more. Right? Because she's helping you level up. You see something in her that's going to help you become a better man. So of course you're going to feel challenged with her. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. And this is what I was sharing with a third client of mine (laughs) recently was he's feeling challenged and he tends to attract women who are very independent, strong women who challenge him in certain ways. 
And he can sometimes get defensive around this, but I have to remind him like, hey, you're a man who's very, who very much values personal growth. And this is why you attract these badass women is because you believe, you know how important it is for you to grow and be better. So you have to see these women challenging you in a respectful way, right? They're not challenging him by being bitches or taking advantage of him. I mean, challenging his insecurities by by just saying what they want, saying what they need, asking, creating certain conversations with him that he's not used to. Like, this is a healthy way of challenging. So for him, it was like this little light bulb moment of like, oh yeah, okay, so her challenging me in these ways isn't a bad thing. It's actually something that's going to make me better. It's actually what I'm looking for in my relationship is a woman who challenges me and makes me better and stronger and wiser, etc. Because otherwise, what's the point? Like, why are you going, why be with another, in my opinion, why be with another person? Why find a partner who's going to just keep you in the same place you're at or even worse in your life, right? Like, what's the point of that? Wouldn't you want someone who helps you see your blind spots and helps you become better and understand yourself more, understand being with another person, under just having a better life, right? Like, isn't that the whole point of like why we partner up? I mean, of course, to procreate, there's that too. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So I just see challenges as such a normalcy and not something we have to run away from, but something we have to get curious about. I see it as this is normal. There's always challenges, especially when something big comes up. But even when something small comes up, there will always be challenges and challenges are normal. What helps you have and thrive in a long-term relationship is understanding that the challenges are normal, but understanding how to deal with them. Not run away from them, not avoid them, not just assume your partner is a piece of shit because you feel bad around them. You have to get curious around why is the thing in our relate why is this thing in our relationship happening? Why are we feeling distanced right now? Why are we not having a lot of sex right now? What can I be doing to help us become closer and connect again? What were we doing last time we felt really connected? Let me share that with my partner. Let me see what my partner thinks about this. See how this curiosity leads to questions. It leads to a pattern of thinking that puts aside the bad assumptions and invites ideas that are that are healthy for moving forward. So if you can look at these challenges like they're not necessarily a bad thing, let me not dwell on all the potential negatives. Let me just understand where we're both at. Ask her some questions. Tell her how I'm feeling about it. See if she asks me any questions. And then come up with a plan together because we're a team. We're together because we want to work on things together. We want to get through life together. We care about each other. So that means we're going to be a team. It's not going to be me versus her. It's going to be us. Let's figure this out. Right? And when you have a partner who cares about you and wants to figure it out with you because they agree being teammates, right, and being in this with you, then they will talk to you about it. And sometimes it's hard to talk with a partner who, when you guys have not had consistent communication and maybe you want to talk to each other but you're like I don't know how to have like we just suck at communicating like we love each other but we're not the best communicators if you feel that way because I know a lot of people a lot of you guys are in this ballpark um 
then I would I would just take the advice, the simple, solid advice of view it from a curiosity perspective. Get really curious. Ask questions. Just a quick break here to remind you guys to leave a rating and review for this podcast on Apple or Spotify. If this has provided you insight, given you clarity, helped you in your relationship, let me know by writing a review. Love you guys, and let's continue to the episode. And even when you have to call out the elephant in the room, do it. You know, if you feel awkward, just be like, oh man, this, all right, this feels super awkward, but I really just want to get better at talking with you about tough, about the challenges that come up in our lives. And, um, and let's just do it. Let's just try this and see where it goes. And I just want you to know my intentions are that I love you and I'm trying to understand us and put us in a better place. Okay. And I also want to hear your input. When you preface a conversation like that, it's very hard for your partner to be angry or defensive at you. Because you're going into it so vulnerable and honest where you're like, all right, I don't know where this is going to go. I know I'm not the best communicator. I know we don't communicate as frequently as maybe would be best for us, but let's try to figure this out together. What do you think? That's a man who takes the lead. That's a man who's masculine. And that's a man who's vulnerable at the same time. And that vulnerability, like I said, is going to make your woman feel very safe to have conversations with you because you're going into it truthfully. You're not going into the conversation assuming that you know best and you know all the answers. Because you don't know all the answers, you can't possibly know all the answers until you talk with her and you figure out answers together. If you want to both walk out of a conversation feeling good, then you both have to be involved in the conversation. You both have to give input into the conversation. It can't be one-sided and it can't be just the man figuring out everything and getting the woman's approval at the very end. That's not an effective conversation. That's not something that's going to make her feel good. It's not something that's going to leave you both walking away, taking new action. It's going to be something that just creates the same behavior, maybe even creates some resentment along with it because she didn't feel involved or heard. Or maybe you don't feel involved or heard on the flip side, right? So you both have to be involved. So if you're having conversations with your partner where you feel like they're one-sided, to call that out is really important and say something like, hey, I feel like I, you know, I didn't get much of a word in on this conversation, so I'd love if you can hear my perspective and hear where I'm at, you know, and go from there. But above all, you have to be curious over going in with a script, thinking you know exactly what you're going to say and exactly how you're going to handle something because you don't know exactly until you talk with her. So try to go in with a couple questions that, if anything, if you want to be prepared, going in with a couple, two to three questions to to help frame the conversation is the best way to do it. But for you to run away when things get hard or to think you're fucking up just because there's a challenge in your romantic life or your sex life, it doesn't mean you're fucking up. It means you're a human and it means your partner's human. And the fastest way to get back on track is to talk about it. You can't avoid it. You can't run away from it just because it's hard. You got to talk about it. You got to lean into it. The opposite of what you actually want to do in the moment, but it's the one thing that's going to get answers and get your sex life back on track. It's also going to help you have more comfortable sex conversations because you're used to handling the hard stuff. It's going to help you have more 
conversations in general where you also involve the the easy good stuff you know like I think another important thing to acknowledge is that if you only talk about sex when there's problems then that's a problem in itself that's a stressor for your sex life because then every time you bring up sex your partner immediately goes in defense mode just out of habit that you're going to bring up something bad so now sex equals bad in their brain and that's that creates a resistance around it and a lack of initiating it in itself so we want to make sure that we're constantly communicating with our partner constantly all right even in the smallest of ways um i had a one of my clients i mentioned had said that he was in the car and he was just feeling really relaxed with the the with his girlfriend um, and they're driving and she goes to him, what's in that brain of yours? Because they were, he was extra silent or they were both extra silent compared to previous times in the car. So he, he didn't have a, a reaction out loud that was angry or anything, but he said with me, it was like frustrating because I'm like, does something, do I always have to be happy all the time and like giddy? Can I just be chill? And I was like, yeah, but your behavior was different from the majority of the time. So she's she might have just sensed a extra quiet vibe that wasn't so much like you. And she was checking in, right? Like that's like, that's, and I told him, this is a great sign. This means you're with someone who is checking in with you um, based on noticing a change in your behavior. Like she's paying attention. It means she's paying attention to you and she wants to make sure she's on the same page which is so much better than having a partner never check in or you have you be crying I remember I was dating a guy where I was literally crying in the car and he didn't ask me what's wrong and it was because of something he said earlier in the day and then he mentioned something little again so it wasn't like we had a heated argument and then I started crying it was like I was just so upset about our relationship and I was just sitting there crying he he didn't say anything the whole time Um, I'm not saying he was completely in the wrong. Like, I shouldn't have been with him. I should have informed him of why I was crying. Um, But to have a partner who neglects you, as I had been neglected in that relationship on multiple occasions, it is the worst fucking feeling in the world. To have someone constantly with you, but never with you at the same time. To have sex with someone, but feel so disconnected and unwanted at the same time it's sickening it's horrible it's abusive like this is the same partner that would put a pillow on his face when we had sex and like wouldn't look at me and told me whenever I got emotional that I was being a little baby or a little bitch and I could just leave and come back when I was happy so You really want to appreciate when you have a partner who's checking in. And I'm not saying someone who's anxious checking in like all the time. They're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Right? That's an anxious attachment style. That means something else. That means that this person has has security, um, you know, issues, feeling secure. And that's another conversation to have with that type of person. But if you have a partner who's who's willing to have a lighthearted way of checking in like what's in that brain of yours right now what's going on you know like that's something to appreciate 
and never take for granted. And if you have a partner right now who does check in with you, it just like appreciate that and, and check in with your partner too in the little ways because that adds up and it really does over time create the space for the two of you to talk about the hard stuff when it comes up. Because if there's constant check-ins around the good stuff in, in the little sweet lighthearted ways, then when it's really time to check in and talk to each other, it's easier You know, Andrew and I are always appreciating each other for the things we do for each other. I'm I'm not saying we're perfect because we're not. Like I I mentioned, we have challenges too. But because we have so many more conversations that are playful and about our fun future together and about how we can support each other and making jokes and just telling each other, having random moments where we share how much we mean to each other and how we how we express attraction for each other on a daily basis like all of that consistency in those little ways is so so overrides the the big conversations we have to have or the conversations that feel really big when something's wrong or challenge or challenge right so it's not so difficult it doesn't feel great. I don't love sitting Andrew down and feeling like I'm unattractive to him in the moment and like having to understand how we can best navigate our our sex life when I'm in pain all the time. Like that's not something I'm ever in the mood to do, right? But it's easier for me to do it with him because I trust that he's going to I trust that he's going to accept my invitation for a check-in. Because that's what we do and that's what we've committed to as a couple. And I also respect, I mean, I know, I trust that he will give me his undivided attention because he's always 100% present with me when I need him to be. And I also know that we're going to walk away from the conversation with actions and with answers because we always do. And that's what, that's why we have the check-ins. Those are our intentions for our check-ins. To make sure we're okay, that we're on the same page, and if there's anything we need from each other, we, we help provide it. So knowing that I have that consistent, safe space, it's easy. Along with the fact that we have many consistent conversations about the joys of our relationship. And those joys and the, that silliness and that fun and the sexiness is outweighed by these difficult conversations, right? So you're normal. If you have challenges, it's okay. We all do. Every healthy relationship does. And John Gottman, the leading marriage researcher, um, I think he has a 97, 96, 97, something around there, success rate in dictating divorce with a couple based on the first three sentences they have in front of him. Isn't that crazy? So (laughs) the first three sentences in terms of bringing up a conflict. So that's, that's pretty crazy. But what he says is that it's not that couples who have been successful relationships that are happy long term, it's not that they fight less. It's how they handle. It's not that they have less conflicts. It's how they handle the conflicts immediately and effectively that adds to their success as a couple or that leads to their success. So 
He's not, he's saying conflict is not a bad thing. It happens with the most successful couples out there. But what they do differently to be successful long-term is they handle the conflict immediately and effectively. And with a sense of leaning towards each other, not avoiding each other. So basically the opposite of this comment that I mentioned at the beginning, which is, dude, find someone else. It doesn't have to be that hard. Move on. That's, that's leaning away. All right. That's not leaning towards. So if you're trying to make it work with your significant other, you got to lean towards. All right. You got to lean towards and understand that it's okay. And you're human and you're normal. And there are ways to keep consistent communication so that these tough conversations are very doable and they don't feel so huge. So anyway, I thought that was a helpful piece of advice um, to share with you. I also just wanted to share that I am also human and I also feel distance from Andrew sometimes. And he feels distance from me. And it doesn't mean we're not attracted to each other. It doesn't mean we don't love each other. It means we're having a temporary moment where we're dealing with something, a challenge, and we call it out and then we deal with it. And then we feel connected again. Every time. Right? It's probably only happened, it's only happened a couple times where we felt a a big disconnect. And it makes sense because I'm going through a lot of shit. I am not my usual self in the last eight months I've dealt with a lot of health issues and that can certainly change the dynamic of a romantic relationship 100% I get that I'm not happy about it it sucks but it's reality right now and it's something that we have to work on it we have to work around and I'm very grateful to have a partner who's willing to work with me and who totally understands where I'm at and who also prioritizes health over our sex life. He really does. He's like, Steph, health is number one right now. We're, you know, of course, like we still have sex and there are, there are certain weeks where I just can't have it. And that could be frustrating because of pain or because of mood, whatever, but we're working through it. And that's, that's what's important. Surgery is in 11 days, I think. Woo. Yes. 11 days pretty crazy. I recently shared on my Instagram stories an update. So if you want to hear the update, I'll share it right here. Otherwise, um, have a great day. (laughs) But yeah, so I think I shared in the previous episode about, uh, I think it's titled, I'm getting my boobs out. I shared that I would be getting a deflation before the surgery, two weeks before. So that deflation date was on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, today is Friday, and I fly to Austin with Andrew. We take two flights to Austin. With the delays, we get to the doctor's office one minute before appointment time. We have very clutch timing. And I'm putting my robe on. They're taking the pictures. And we get to the operating table, and my surgeon tries to do the deflation, which means suck out the liquid out of my implants to see what I naturally look like because that way I'll know if I want a lift or not during surgery and he couldn't do it because it turns out my implants were silicone not saline they were silicone so silicone implants have a gel interior so you can't do a deflation with silicone but saline I could have done it if I had saline because it's a liquid 
inside. Both implants have silicone exterior, so regardless of whether a woman has either, she could still have breast implant illness and she still has silicone in her body. So that was disappointing for flying to Austin to do a procedure that wasn't able to happen for me. And it was what was mostly disappointing was that my original surgeon who put in my implants had told me that they were saline because I told him I was afraid of silicone at the time when I was 23, nine years ago, I thought that uh, silicone were the dangerous ones and saline were fine when both they're really just as dangerous. But I really thought that silicone were like the bad ones. So I was like, I definitely don't want silicone. And I remember talking to him about that. So the fact that I have silicone implants this entire time when for nine years I thought they were saline was kind of a mind fuck. And I'm like, of course, got emotional on the operating table when Dr. Rob's like, nope, it's not it's not working. Um, but he was very comforting. His whole team was so professional and empathetic and just keeping my spirits up by just saying, hey, like, that's OK. We know what we're going to do now. And here's exactly how I'm going to do the lift. And you're in great hands and, you know, your skin looks great and it's going to be it should be a very smooth, great recovery. Um, so overall, I really enjoyed meeting the team, meeting my surgeon who's going to do my explant. And it sucks I couldn't go through with the deflation, but it is what it is, right? So then we flew home immediately after that appointment, had more delays on two flights home. So (laughs) four flights to Austin and back in a day, staying at the surgery office for like an hour and a half. It was pretty crazy. I also had to wake up at 4 a.m. to do my yoga for 75 hard. And then I still had to do my outside walk for 75 hard by the time we got home. So Andrew, my amazing, incredible boyfriend, went on a walk with me at 12, 15 a.m. And then we got, yeah, we got back around 1 a.m. and then went to bed 15 minutes later and didn't set an alarm. So that was nice. Got some much needed sleep. But yeah, just overall a very emotional day. It was, I was crying, like preparing for this, for the image of what I was about to see and just feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to look so different in literally a half an hour. Oh my God, like I'm going to go on an airplane looking one way and leave looking another way, but the capsules will still be inside me. I'll still be feeling sick. Oh my God. So there's just so much I was trying to process and then feeling lied to on top of that from my the surgeon who put these in me nine years ago was just like the icing on the cake for my emotional roller coaster. <laughs> it's just like, what? But overall, I did feel much better leaving just after, like I said, meeting Dr. Rob and his team who are fantastic. So I am very much looking forward to surgery in 11 days and I yeah I couldn't be more ready Andrew's been fucking incredible um I couldn't ask for a better partner sincerely and yeah it's it has been it has been interesting though like with the whole with the whole sex life thing because you know for me to first of all to be talking about sex every day and to be talking to clients about it, helping them through their struggles. Um, it's just interesting because this is the first time in my life that I've had real sex challenges. Like 
like real challenges where I'm not as wet and I my libido is just not there sometimes at all which I've never felt before um I've grown into a more responsive arousal which means that I don't just think about sex as much as I used to and uh yeah, so it's just, plus the pain that's come along with sex due to inflammation in my body, like that's new too. So it's like to be in pain, to not be as wet, to not be as in the mood is like so not like me. And then to be talking about sex and and uh, yeah, every single day and reading about it and like, it's just, it's my work, you know? So it's been a very interesting dynamic uh, trying to figure this out personally while I'm still professionally guiding people you know through their own sex challenge no matter where you are in life things will hit you and then all of a sudden things change a little bit and you got to find a way to work around it work through it communicate with your partner through it make sure that um, you're on the same page something that's really helped Andrew and I is just the idea that hey this is temporary you know and we're already seeing a light on the at the end of the tunnel because we've already our sex life has already improved a lot drastically since um I want to say like April May June um so that's definitely made a shift and once I heal I'm sure it will just get much better it's uh, it's definitely on the track upwards and if you feel like you're in a similar predicament with your partner where you know they're struggling with illness or a ton of inflammation or pain there are things out there to help. You know, something that helped me drastically was changing my diet because I'm not as inflamed internally as I was. So sex is not painful like it like it has been for months. So that's amazing. That made a huge difference. Gluten was the major thing that saved me when I cut that out of my diet very strictly, doing 75 hard. That helped. And also pelvic floor exercises to relax the tension in my pelvic floor that helped tremendously too I didn't realize how much tension I was holding on to because being in pain I would like kind of squeeze and do kegels and not even just kegels but just like create a lot of tension by just squeezing my pelvic region for being in pain right it's kind of like your body tenses up to protect areas that are inflamed so it creates a natural tension that you don't even think about you're not even consciously creating the tension sometimes. So by doing pelvic floor exercises intentionally to release tension, that also made a physical difference in my comfortability having sex. And I think with my body more relaxed physically, I was able to more relax mentally and emotionally, and that allowed my libido to come back a little bit. So that's kicked in. I've definitely felt more cravings for sex in the last month. So there's definitely an upwards trajectory here. Um, and I'm just kind of sharing with you things I did that, uh, that you know, aren't, I wasn't medicated for. I mean, I, I'm on supplements. I'm on a detox supplement routine now because I'm working with a personal nutritionist through this breast implant illness um, program. And... That I'm sure has helped as well. Um, just get some extra vitamins in me, detox the get rid of toxins in my body, and 
yeah, it's just, there's, there's just so much you could do. Yoga is something I've been doing daily with 75 hard. Movement has helped a lot, reduce pain and reduce discomfort around sex, improve my mood overall so that I want sex more. So all these natural things, drinking more water. Yeah, just a lot of stretching. Mm, there was another big one I feel I'm trying to think about um, lymphatic exercises so like lymphatic draining exercises where I'll, I now have a body brush I use a couple times a week before I shower to stimulate my lymphatic symptom uh, my lymphatic sim- uh, <laughs> system because due to so much inflammation your lymphatic system gets blocked so for you to create stimulation and keep everything flowing um, just helps your body overall function more optimally so there's just I just want to point out there's so many things getting rid of toxic products not dyeing my hair anymore like oh my god it's just so many things I could do naturally to get rid of the symptoms I've been dealing with and to feel so much better and to have a better sexual relationship with Andrew. So I hope this helps any of you guys who have a partner who's struggling or if you're struggling, there are things to help you. There are ways you got to believe and keep your head up. I know it's hard. I know it can feel like a huge massive weight on you. You can you may feel unattractive, you know, if you're dealing with gut issues and and this and that. You know, a lot of it can can really put a damper on how you feel as an attractive sexual person. So for you to know that there's so many things you could do to help you naturally that you could start working on today, I hope brings you a level of comfort and and hope. So I'm cheering you on. I love you guys. Thank you for supporting me along this journey. And I hope this episode was helpful. So have an amazing morning, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. I'll talk to you soon. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I would love for you to leave me an iTunes review. It would mean the world to me. You can also screenshot your favorite episodes and tag me on Instagram at Steph Ganowski. And before I go, remember, your sex life is as good as you make it out to be. Until next time.